Hello and welcome to Across the States. I'm Matthew Fisher and joining us today are Andrew Handel, Director of Alec Education Workforce Development Task Force, and Jason Bedrick, Director of Policy at EdChoice, both here to discuss education reform and the path forward for American schools. Andrew, Jason, welcome to Across the States. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Thank you for coming on. So before we get going here, for those listening at home, for those who may not know, myself included, to kick things off, what is EdChoice and what is its mission, Jason? EdChoice is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that was founded 25 years ago by Milton Friedman, the Nobel Prize winning economist and Nobel laureate, and his wife, who was a great economist in her own right, Rose Friedman, to advance educational freedom and opportunity for all children nationwide. So primarily we focus on researching and also advocating for school vouchers, tax credit scholarships, and K-12 education savings accounts. Awesome. Terrific. And I know uh, here at ALEC, EdChoice has been an absolutely terrific partner working in all these different states to advocate for these policies. So I'm, I'm curious, Jason, you know, how have you seen the COVID-19 pandemic shifting the education landscape this year? I, I believe there's 29 states pursuing active legislation right now to enhance education freedom. So I'm curious what you're seeing and how this pandemic has you know, really shifted the conversation on school choice. Yeah, actually, uh, we count more than uh, 30 states. I think it's actually about 33 now. So there are a few states that introduced legislation recently. It's, it's, it's hard to keep track. Uh, I mean, look, frankly, I've been in this movement for nearly 20 years, and I can say that this is uh, the most legislative activity that we have ever seen. Not only the quantity, but also the quality of the bills. Legislators are going bigger and bolder with um, broader eligibility, and instead of you know the traditional school voucher or tax credit scholarship programs that can be used for private school tuition, a lot of states now, I think more than two dozen actually, have a bill for education savings accounts, not to be confused with Coverdell's or other college savings accounts like 529s. The K-12 ESA can be used for private school tuition, but families can also use it for tutoring textbooks, online courses, homeschool curricula a variety of different special needs therapies and, and leftover funds can be rolled over from year to year to save for future expenses. So it just gives parents a lot more freedom and flexibility to customize their child's education. And certainly I think the COVID-19 pandemic has played a large role in encouraging parents to look for alternatives. I can think of basically three reasons that the pandemic has sparked interest in school choice. The first is just that Parents had a variety of different views of whether their children should be in school, in person, or not. Even uh, our most recent tracking poll at EdChoice has it at about 50-50 for parents, you know, whether they're comfortable with their children in school or not. And so I think parents came to realize that no one system can meet all of their various needs. So for those who are comfortable sending their children in person, you know, they, they want access to a school that does that. On the other hand, for those who, you know, may have a, an immunocompromised child at home or, you know, an elderly adult living in the home who they're very worried about COVID, they may want to stay remote. Well, if you've got one school system that says it's A or B and you want the other one, you're, you're out of luck. So there's that. 
Second, especially for those parents who wanted to send their children back to school, who said, you know what, this remote learning is just not working for my child. The quality of the education is significantly less than it is in person, not to mention that my child is uh, sometimes experiencing depression, feeling isolated. They want their children back in school. And even in areas where a majority of parents wanted to return, very often they found that the teachers unions were an obstacle. And so when there is a difference of opinion between the union and the parents, parents used to think, you know, my local neighborhood school is accountable directly to me, but they came to find out that actually it's more accountable to some of these special interests than it is to the parents. And so parents are looking for alternatives to that system. And third, parents got with distance education, a peek inside the classroom. And sometimes they were not really happy about what they saw, particularly in classrooms that uh, were discussing very sensitive, highly charged issues where the teachers, instead of staying neutral and, and fostering a variety of different views and you know, teaching children how to think critically and look at something from a variety of different angles, were instead abusing their position to inject their own politics into the classroom. There's been a lot of families that have strenuously objected to the politicization of the classroom. And so they also are looking for alternatives. So I think these three trends have really culminated in what has been uh, so far the most energy we've ever seen for school choice. I mean, our latest poll shows that parents of K-12 children are 81% in favor of education savings accounts. So, I mean, that's, that's as high as we've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing to see all the support that we're we're seeing right now. And you know, you were talking about the latest EdChoice polling data, and you know, you mentioned the split almost 50-50 between parents. I, I think it's about the same amongst teachers as well for their comfort level in going back. So, you know, just playing off of your your point about the unions being an obstacle in a lot of these places, which they absolutely are. That was one of the statistics in your latest polling that really struck me was seeing how evenly split even the teachers are on this, and yet we're still seeing such strong opposition from the unions. That's right. And the unions don't necessarily represent all of their members. There are a lot of teachers who really want to be back in the classroom. They they got into teaching because they love children. They want to be around them. They want to be teaching them. And, uh, you know, their read of the of the data and the CDC guidance is that they can be back in the classroom safely. We've seen this whole time private schools have been much more likely to open and to do so safely. We haven't seen these mass outbreaks or super spreader events where kids are gathering in private schools. If the private schools can open safely, the public schools can too. Definitely. And you know, it's, it's definitely a major issue facing this country. And I'm looking forward to hearing the answers to how we solve this problem. But first, a quick message from Alec concerning an exciting event coming this summer, happens every year. A quick message courtesy of Alec. This July, join the American Legislative Exchange Council for its annual meeting in beautiful Salt Lake City. Come and meet with state lawmakers, listen to engaging speakers, and take part in building a better future for America. For more information and to register, visit alec.org meetings. We'll see you in person in Salt Lake City. All right, so back to you, Andrew. Back to our conversation about EdChoice. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Jason, you know, you mentioned we have 30 plus states right now that are, 
you know, actively pursuing legislation in the education freedom space. You know, I'm curious, what are some of the major trends that you're seeing? I, I know um, it looks like we're seeing a lot of education savings account proposals. I think virtual schools are also getting a lot of attention. I'm just curious, what are some of the major themes that you're seeing across the states right now? I mean, I think the number one thing is that parents are recognizing that it's time to rethink our education system. So it's not just about learning in a traditional school environment. It's learning in a wide variety of different environments. Uh, We're seeing uh, spikes in interest in things like hybrid homeschooling or learning pods or micro schools. These are all different ways that parents can take a more active role in their child's learning. In many cases, they are a combination of virtual instruction and in-person instruction, very often in environments that are outside the traditional classroom. Sometimes it's in a family's living room or dining room or a backyard where families are working together to either teach their children in like a team effort, you know, one parent on one day, other parents on another day, or they are pooling their resources to hire a tutor or even a full-time instructor. Parents are finding all different ways of educating their children during the pandemic. I think the major question is going to be whether these options stick around after the pandemic. I mean, a lot of these trends were, were already in place before the pandemic, there was already an, you know, an increase in interest in, let's say, hybrid homeschooling and, and micro-schooling. Obviously, with the pandemic, because they met the needs that families had, the interest spiked. But I, I suspect that a lot of families are going to say, you know what, this worked out better than we thought. We never would have tried this without the pandemic, but this is really working for our children. They're learning a lot. They're thriving. And we're going to stick with this. Um, even when things, uh, quote unquote, return to normal. Definitely. Yeah, that's terrific. And I know, you know, here at ALEC, we've definitely been getting a lot of questions from our member legislators asking about things like the learning pods and the micro schools, you know, some of these, um, you know, innovations that have gained a lot more attention during this pandemic. I'm curious, does EdChoice have any resources that legislators can use to gain some additional knowledge about these types of things? Yeah, I would point to three different resources I think that legislators might be interested in. First, our our flagship report is called the ABCs of School Choice. We release it every year in January, and it just has a wealth of information about every single private school choice program. So vouchers, tax credit scholarships, education savings accounts in every single state. So right now there are 29 states plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. You can find out you know, how many students are in the programs, who's eligible, you know, what the various regulations are, what the average scholarship size is, and so on. Second is our one, two, threes of school choice report. That summarizes all of the research on school choice. You know, so things like what are the effects on the test scores of participating students? What's the effect on uh, local public schools when a school choice program is enacted? What are the fiscal effects? What are the effects on students' graduation rates or college matriculation? All those sorts of things you can find in our one, two, threes report. And then finally, specifically for legislators and their staff, I would recommend the EdChoice Policy Toolkit. That's where we go through how to design an educational choice policy. You know, so we look at a a variety of different questions that policymakers have to ask when they're crafting ed choice legislation. You know, for example, eligibility, 
Should it be open for everybody or targeted to specific audiences? Admissions, you know, should you be getting involved in private school admissions and all and telling them what to do or not? Should you be requiring a test? If so, should it be the state test or a menu of nationally norm reference tests? All these questions, we look at, uh, you know, the trade-offs of going in one direction or another, and then offer our advice based on the best practices that we've seen around the country. Awesome. That's so interesting. Thank you again, Jason and Andrew, for coming on today for Across the States. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and keep us updated, Jason, on what's happening in the State House with Ed Choice. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you again. You've listened to Across the States. I'm Matt Fisher. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. 